Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Uh, but this isn't just another episode. This is a very special episode because we have got a real life author on the show today. Ben Leonard, welcome back to the Brand Builder Show. Great to have you on again, mate. Good to be back, Ben. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. It's an exciting day because we are celebrating the launch of your book, which is going to be a great topic of conversation. I've been reading through it and getting loads of gems out of it. And so we're going to kind of pull that bit uh, apart a bit today in this episode. But um, for those people that don't know who you are, you, I mean, I think you've done two or three episodes with us already. But for anybody that hasn't heard you before, um, give us a bit of your backstory. And then uh, then I'd love to dive into some, some nuggets from the book. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, if you've heard me before, I apologize and I'll try and keep this brief. If you haven't heard me before, I'll still try and keep it brief. Um, so yeah, my name's Ben Leonard. I uh, got into e-commerce in 2016, kind of by accident. Uh, started a fitness brand as a hobby. Uh, turned out I was pretty good at it. Um, ended up quitting my job, grew that business to a point where we were doing $6 million a year in annual sales. And I sold it in late 2019. And now I'm building new brands. Um, a, because I love it, and B, because I think if you're going to try and teach in this space, you need to legitimately still be involved in this space actively to understand what's happening, what it's like to be an e-commerce entrepreneur. Um, so I consult, I speak, I co-own an e-commerce brokerage firm, we help others to plan their exits, and as Ben just said, I've just written a book um, about e-commerce and my journey in it, and how you can do the same if you build a real brand. So you've not been doing much since you sold the business then, you know, basically just taking a holiday. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? It's funny you say that. I got told off yesterday by my wife for taking on more, uh, you know, biting off more than I can chew. And she's probably got a point. That said, right, I think, I think in entrepreneurship, you know, we often, there's this kind of, it's almost become a cliche, hasn't it, of saying, um, learn to say no. Don't take on too much. And I think that's important. It's also important to remember that in life and business, you have seasons of busyness and seasons of quietness. And sometimes you have to remember to say yes to things. Otherwise, A, those opportunities might not come along again. And B, the people that you say no to might be might say, next time there's an opportunity, they might say, well, I'm not going to bother to ask him because he's not interested. He just says no. So whilst I do think that you should only say yes to things that are a true, you know, yeah, that you really want to do, um, sometimes if it, circumstances just dictate that a lot of those come along at once, don't be scared to do them because, yeah, you might end up having a really crazy busy time, but maybe you're setting things up so that in other parts of your life and in the future, you can have a quiet time. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a goal for a lot of us, isn't it? To be able to create those opportunities to have those quiet times or to have those more uh, adventurous times or whatever it may be. So, um, so yeah, man, I, I love that. Um, there's, there's loads we could talk about today, as always, but obviously we want to talk about the book and some of the key points from it because it's an exciting time. You just wrote a book. It's been a long process. You mentioned to me before. Um, give us a little bit of a, a background about the journey of the book and what the book's called, etc. synopsis, and then... And um, then let's dive into some of the key areas of it. Absolutely. So the book is called Quit Stalling and Build Your Brand. And the subtitle is You Don't Need an MBA to Crush It in E-Commerce. So I'll tell you what the book's not. It's not a highly technical book about one particular platform like Amazon or Shopify or Walmart or Etsy or anything like that. That's going to go out of date in a few months. Some of those books exist. Some of those books are really good. But unfortunately, they do date pretty quickly. What it is, is it's a, 
It's a roadmap of timeless business principles, but applied specifically to e-commerce. Taking you from ideation all the way through to exit. And I believe it will be helpful for people who haven't started and have just got an idea or even no idea. They just know they want to build a brand, an e-commerce brand. Or even people who might be generating many millions in revenue and profit, but need a reference point to come back to, to remind them of the principles that they need to be building into their business. And there'll be a lot of people out there who have a, an e-commerce business, but they don't really have a brand. And I think this book will be helpful for them. And then, you know, you touched on it there. Why did I write the book? Well, I felt like I had a lot to offer. I felt like I didn't have a guide like this when I started or indeed as I was building my first brand. And I remember the moment I decided to write it. It was early 2022. I was at a conference and there was a quote unquote guru on stage mesmerizing the audience. They were, I looked around. It was almost like everyone else was in this daze and I wasn't like having some sort of other experience. And I just kind of looked around at everyone and they were lapping it up. And to be fair, a lot of what he said on stage was more or less true. But it was very generic. He was casting a spell over them and they were loving it and thought he was some kind of genius. And I thought to myself, well, I was doing that ages ago. And he didn't actually give anyone any substance as to what they'd actually done. It was all theory and smoke and mirrors. And I decided at that point to come out of stealth mode and not only write the book, but actually be, be completely open about my brands and the mistakes that I made. And I think that's the way that we should be in this space is be a bit more open. And so, yeah, that's the book. And that's why I wrote it. Yeah, I think it's super inspiring. I think that when I was reading through it, you talk about a uh, time when you go into the gym and there's someone using your uh, i think they were like ab sliders or something um i don't know what the technical name for it is but um the, the one that looks is I've, i remember doing it about 15 years ago and having a sore stomach for about a week after and never done it since but um the uh, it was funny because i remember I, i've got a friend that's really into the gym and she posts videos about it on instagram quite often and uh, like i saw her wearing one of your belts and this is like you know, many years later, but I'm like, it's so cool that you have built something that's actually out there in the wild. And it must be such a great feeling to be able to have that. And, and that really, for me, is at the heart of the book. It's, you know, build something that actually means something to people, not just uh, launch a product that's going to make you money, but, but build something with purpose. And I think that for me, that was the biggest takeaway. Um, you know, one of the biggest takeaways There's loads I want to uh, try and go through in the short time we have. But what what's your um, advice to people that just want to come into this space because they've seen an ad and they want to make some money? You, you come at it from a very different angle in the book, which I love and I think it's refreshing. You, you still want to make money. You, you say it's not about charity. It's about making profit. Of course, it's meant to be a profitable business, but there needs to be some purpose and passion behind it. Um, speak to that a bit. Absolutely. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money and you shouldn't feel guilty about that because, you know, you need, to make, you need to earn a living, and you can do really good things with money. Um, but ultimately, if you've just seen some ad that says e-commerce or perhaps you know, dropshipping or Amazon FBA or whatever it might be, it's going to make you, get you, get you rich quick, um, then you need to reframe your uh, approach to the whole thing. Now, 
it's okay if you've come into it like that, but provided you very quickly reset your expectations about what's realistic and what's possible. Because it's not realistic. You're definitely not going to get rich quick. You're definitely going to have to. You're definitely going to have to spend a decent chunk of cash, at least ten thousand pounds or dollars, probably more. Um, so you're going to need to make sure that you've you've got that capital, or you can get that capital. And you need to understand that you're not just going to be finding something, slapping a logo on it and selling it, but you're going to be building a legit brand, ideally one with real purpose that you are passionate about. Yeah, you are a great example of doing that. And, and like I say, it's cool to see your products in the wild even till today. And so there's obviously lots of authority you, you can speak to about that. I think that you know one of the things you first start talking about in the book, though, is that a lot of people find excuses to not start. And obviously, that's a big uh, focus of the book. The, the title of the book is, you know, get started and, you know, stop stall, quit stalling and, and, and get started. Um, you talk about some of the biggest excuses that people have there. Uh, I'd love to just talk through a few of those and give people a bit of a feel for what the book uh, suggests. Which, by the way, again, um, you mentioned you don't, you didn't have that book or that guide when you started, and I can completely concur with that. Like, man, I wish that I had read your book when I started. It would have saved me so much pain, so much frustration, because I did come into the mindset with, oh, I'm just going to make as, as much money as quickly as possible. I wish actually that I'd slowed down and built it with more solid foundations and i'd be much further ahead and you know i'd have built much stronger brands and i think that that is um yeah such a key takeaway as well for people to a good reason to get the book but um the excuses for why they don't start um you, you talk about that in in the book um you start with you know a few in there about people thinking it's too risky or they don't have the funds um can you talk yeah about some of those absolutely and so i don't want people to think that i'm i'm preaching here and being like uh Oh, stop telling yourself all these excuses and just get started in in that way. Because you know, one of the things that I'm quite open about is um, I told myself all sorts of excuses and didn't start for ages. I had the idea of my first brand in 2012. I didn't start it until 2016 because I, you know, I believed that entrepreneurs were other people. You know, they were people with business degrees or with uh, they inherited a business or they had tons of capital or they, in, they 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 invented something new and went on TV like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank or something. Um, I didn't get started until I had a, you know, a personal crisis. I, I, uh, I had a, a heart condition that, that caused me to, well, I was unable to work, I was unable to train, and uh, I was struggling with my mental health, and, you know, I needed to de-stress, and my way of de-stressing was, um, was to train. I couldn't train because of the heart condition, so I was miserable, and that's when I, I kind of rediscovered the idea from four years before, and um, I needed something to do to get my teeth into, and so I started doing it, you know, really as a hobby. And then it turned out it was more than a hobby. You know, people tell themselves, um, oh, I can't do this because I don't have enough experience. Like, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about, I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, it could be cycling. I'm passionate about cycling, but I, 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 I don't have any business experience. Well, you don't need business experience. You, 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 can, learn, you can learn on the job. Uh, it doesn't mean that... that you don't need to learn on the job. You absolutely do. But you look at any uh, of the some, some of the best entrepreneurs uh, in history. There was a point when they didn't have experience, and then what did they do? They gave themselves permission to start. You know, um, people talk about well, it's too late. E-commerce is too late. It's saturated. That's just ridiculous. 
do you think that e-commerce won't exist in in years to come? If everybody told themselves well, it's too late, it's saturated, there wouldn't be any e-commerce businesses, right? So, you know, the world is constantly changing. There are constantly new problems that need to be solved and new ideas that are come up with, new business models, new ways of solving existing problems, new ways of uh, improving on existing products. So that, that, I don't think that excuse stands up. The opportunity is enormous when you consider the size of the pie. And also the fact is that the opportunity is actually only getting bigger because e-commerce is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year because the stats show us that every year more and more sales, retail sales are online rather than offline. So the opportunity is only getting bigger. And then this idea of a, I can't afford it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you like some gurus do that you can get started for, you know, 500 bucks. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but I am going to tell you that uh, you, you don't need eye-watering amounts of money. And you can get, provided you've got a solid idea, and you, you do your due diligence. It's a, you know, it, it's a relatively low risk for you to put some of your own funds in and perhaps funds from, say, friends and family. You'd be surprised at what sort of grants are available in your local area for startup businesses. I personally have benefited from grants from my businesses where I live. Uh, where I live, the local council gives pretty much every every startup one thousand pounds. It's not a huge amount of money, but that's a decent chunk. So many of the excuses that people tell themselves really um, don't stack up. I think that someone um, you know said this a while ago, and I've always remembered it that in business as an entrepreneur, it's so much more about resourcefulness than it is about resources. And I think too many people fall at the first hurdle just because they think they can't afford it. But you're you're right that uh, you know money's everywhere, right? Uh, but it's ideas that aren't going to be uh, as prevalent. And if you can get a good idea, a good product, uh, you can you can find money for that. We see that in Shark Tank, Dragons Den, all these kind of shows that people can raise money for their product if they have a good idea. And so it comes back to, as you so eloquently put in the book, it's, it's solving those problems with the products to be able to create that ability to then then source the funding so i think um yeah loads of good advice in there and i, I don't want to kind of um give everyone all the secrets of the book right but you you talk about some others like uh you know an excuse of it being too risky or imposter syndrome which i know we've talked about on, on, on this podcast before um feeling like you don't have a plan or a map which obviously the book can be for them um but i think that one one i just did want to touch on quickly is that you talk about um you know feeling like there's no more room at the end like you don't have the capacity to be able to to do all that needs to be done with an e-commerce business for anyone out there that's busy they're running another business or they've got a full-time job they're a parent all those kind of things what advice do you have for them to be able to get started first of all is acceptance that uh it's gonna be hard work like uh you, you are going to um find that if you already have a full-time job perhaps you're looking out for kids you've got other obligations you've, you you volunteer at some local club right um well, if you really want to make this work, you're going to have to put in the hours, right? Uh, evenings, weekends, lunch hours, sneaking in between, you know, your boss isn't looking. That's what you're going to have to do. Um, you know, that, that's the honest truth. It, it's hard work, which is why, you know, it, it, it takes people with, um, with passion to do it. 
Whereas, right, and this is another reason for, for, for actually building a, a, an e-commerce brand around something you're passionate about. If you're not really that passionate about it, when it's really hard and you're tired and you've got a lot going on in your life, you've, you know, you've got to renew your car insurance, um, you've got to, uh, you know, you, you've got to help your kids with their homework, you've got other obligations to sort out, and you've got, you're working overtime in your job because there's a big project on, and there's fires to put out in your e-commerce business. If you're not really that passionate about what you're doing, are you going to have the actual motivation to go and do, still do a great job of it? So that's why it's got to be something that you really gets you out of bed in the morning, you know. So build a brand around something that you love. Who was it? I can't remember. Someone once said to be able to live like others can't. You need to be able to do what others won't. And I think that rings true for if you've got a busy schedule. Uh, it's it's getting up early, it's staying up late. It's it's not glamorous and it's not some secret key, but it's just about being dedicated enough to put that work in, isn't it? I think that might have been Alex Hormozy. I could be wrong, but it might have been Hormozy. He's probably said it, uh, definitely. Even if it wasn't him originally, he's probably definitely said it. Um, cool. Uh, okay, so uh, product development is another area that you, you talk a lot about in the book, which, uh, again, with B-Skier is a major part of, of your success with that, is developing uh, you know, products that maybe weren't innovative, and I don't mean that as a slight, but they were uh, they innovated on existing products. They improved upon existing products. Um, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you invented a brand new product that never existed before B-Skier, but you improved on what the market was offering. Uh, how much has that uh, continued to be your approach? Are you trying to be more innovative now, or are you trying to be safer with your innovations? Where do you stand with that? It's a mix. So, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I didn't ever invent anything absolutely new. So the most innovative I got was um, I developed a new type of thick bar adapter. So for anyone not familiar with, with strength and conditioning training, a thick bar adapter is basically a a, a sleeve that you would put over uh, a, a barbell or dumbbell to make the diameter of the bar thicker, which actually makes it then more challenging to lift. And there was a product that existed on the market for decades unchallenged. And I came up with a way to do the same function, but better. Like the performance of the product was better. And I sold it at a fairer price. And then my product basically became the market leader and I patented it, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, I also had products which were, you know, basically uh, more or less the same as other products available on the market. You know, always good quality um, and part of our brand, right? And so, you know, I think that's, that's the way you have to be. You have to have a, a mix, right? Because you can't possibly improve on absolutely everything um, or create uh, entirely unique products every time. And so that's continued to be my philosophy. Like for instance, I co-own a brand in the combat sports space now and we make equipment which is really high quality and what makes it unique is the, uh, the, the appearance, the design in terms of its appearance but not its function. There are other products that will function just as well but we, you know, we're standing out in terms of our brand identity uh, uh, in that way. Um, on the other hand, I'm developing a, a product in the parent and baby space right now, which is in, in entirely um, uh, unique. Uh, we're, we're registering our designs for it. We've, we've developed it from, from, from scratch, made from plastic bottles recovered from the ocean. We've worked with a, a top, top designer on it. We're on prototype number six, so we're not messing around. We're still not ready to launch because you can't add market a, a bad product, so we're, we're going to get it spot on. So I think that that's the approach uh, that I take is, is to, to always go in, you know, with, with that mix. But if you're brand new, um, that's 
you know, you and you've got a limited budget, it's it's hard to perhaps dream up something that's going to require custom molding or custom tooling or something. And that's why I'm a big fan of what I call the the Franken product approach to make like a Frankenstein's monster product where you work with a manufacturing partner to take different parts of their off-the-shelf options and mix it up to be something that's unique to you and, and perhaps make changes that you can without needing to custom mold. You know, you'd be surprised what they can do. Hey, can we just make this part longer? Or have you got a more high-quality component for this bit so that it does this instead of that? And if they don't have it, I'm sure they can get it because especially if you're manufacturing in China, pretty much anything is possible in China. Yeah, definitely. I think it's reassuring for people to hear that, that it wasn't any kind of, uh, you know, again, not to downplay it because you've obviously done amazingly well with it, but it is not some kind of, uh, you know, revolutionary invention that needed 17 patents before it got out the door, right? It was it was smart innovations on existing products that better serve the needs of your existing audience. And I think that it's just reassuring, right? I think that, um, you know, we can sometimes think, especially in the Amazon selling world, we think, oh, we've got to create some crazy innovation to stand out. But actually, if you build a good brand, people will keep coming back to you for products. And then, as you said, you, you know, you're, you're selling products that function in a very similar way with a, one of the newer brands. They just look different. They're branded a bit different. People will come back to you because you're a good brand. And so then you can sell them a, uh, a saturated or highly competitive product and still make good sales on it because they trust you as the brand. And I, I think that's so much of what comes across in the book that maybe doesn't come across in the traditional sell on Amazon space, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Once people have become, you know, uh, uh, almost evangelical fan of your brand, you can then, uh, things things actually get easier for you. It becomes much easier to launch products and sell again to your existing customers. But not only that, you can then enter niches which were, quote unquote, saturated or too competitive with, you know, um, commodity style products. Because now you've got the fan base, so just buy everything you launch. Um, I, I love the statement that you, or the quote that you um, you talked about, uh, Toby. I think you called him Tobias. I, I didn't realize that was his name. I thought it was Toby, um, the founder of Shopify. Um, but you talked about how to uh, really understand your customers' problems. You've got to walk a mile in their shoes. And you, I, I didn't know that, but apparently he has a Shopify store, secret Shopify store. Yeah, that is the, uh, that's the, the urban legend, and I believe it's true, um, because I've heard it come out of the mouth of very well-connected people in the Shopify space. Um, so yes, apparently he has a secret Shopify store. Nobody knows what it is or what he sells, but he still owns it and runs it so that he can understand what it's like to be a Shopify merchant. Therefore, he's scratching his own itch, solving his own problems. He understands how Shopify needs to be. And I think that's fantastic. You talked about um, like a, a brainstorming sort of uh, idea of understanding the problems you could solve by uh, going through someone's phase of like a beginner in that topic to an expert. And I think that was you know, really good and insightful. I won't get you to go through it on this because I've got other things I want to ask you. And I, I want people to buy the book, not just hear it all on this podcast. But um, but I think that was that was really cool as well. A good practical way of really mapping out a pipeline of products. That's one of the things that we always talk about is when people kind of ask me for input on the product they're looking at selling online one of the questions i always always ask them is is, is there a follow-up pipeline of products that you could sell to that same audience because that's the essence of building a brand right and i think that um that's a really good activity that people can dive into that i'd um really recommend um 
So yeah, uh, moving on though, I'd love to talk uh, brand versus branding. Um, you, you mentioned that as a, a tension in the book, uh, you know, about what a brand is and, and what branding is and, um, you know, the difference between them. What, why is that important? Why should people read the book to find out more about that? Yeah, really important. I think it's because the waters get so muddied here. You know, I think a lot of people, first of all, let me just explain what I, my take on a brand. Okay. There's lots of different takes on this. And I think most of them are right. They're all just slightly different. My take on a brand, and especially to make it simple and practical for e-commerce entrepreneurs is this. A brand is a group of products that solve problems for a a particular group of people. It could also be a group of services if you wanted it to be. Branding is how you make your potential customer and customers feel. And marketing is how you tell people about your brand. And there's overlap between marketing and branding. Some of your marketing is going to make people feel a certain way. But that's why marketing is more important than branding. Because you can have the best branding in the world on paper. But if no one's heard of your brand, it might as well not exist. It's a little bit like if a tree falls over in the forest and no one was there to hear it, did it make a sound? So that's that's my take. And I think most people are basically trying to get at uh, the same thing. Um, that's my take, yeah. What is the answer to that question, by the way? What, if a tree falls over in the forest? Uh, I presume it did make a sound. I'm sure that physicists would tell us that it made a sound. Um, I'm not sure. It's a bit like the, uh, the what's the velocity of a, of, a, of a swallow, African or European, laden or unladen. <laughs> I don't know. All right, good. Uh, moving on. Um, you uh, talk a lot about, there's obviously some really good stuff for beginners and uh, how to find product market fit and build your audience, all that good stuff. But there's some gems in there as well for anybody that's got a brand at the moment that's on the trajectory to build it up and sell it, etc. cetera. Um, uh, and so there's loads in there. But one of the things I'd love to pick out just to finish on is the idea of cash conversion cycles. You talk about um, there's a, a graph in the book about selling at twenty dollars versus eighteen dollars. You know you might be on less profit, but you could maybe sell more at the lower price, which then speeds up your cash conversion cycle. For anybody that is uh, new to that concept, can you give us a sort of a brief description of it, and then I'll have a couple of counter questions for you. Sure. Yeah. So in e-commerce, unfortunately, we we have quite a slow cash conversion cycle in many cases. So let me just explain what I mean mean by that. Um, by the time you've, and let's just assume for a second that uh, you're paying a deposit of, say, 30% down, and you're paying 70% to your manufacturer when the products ship. By the time then it's arrived at the country of destination, let's say the States or Europe, and let's say it's come by sea, um, you know, another 30 or 40 days have passed. Then, by the time it's been checked into Amazon or your third party fulfillment center, and by the time it's actually started to sell, a long time has passed. And then you've got the amount of time until each unit actually sells. The problem with that is that that's a long time before you're getting any money out. And even then, when you do get money out, you need to start paying for your next order of inventory before all your current inventory is sold out, because, of course, you don't want to stock out. So although on paper you might be quite profitable, you don't have enough free cash to order more inventory and grow the business because of this 
slow cash conversion cycle combined with, for many people, not having a high enough return on investment. And that it can be a huge problem and it is a poor cash flow position that is the death of many an e-commerce business. Do you have any things that people should avoid when they are looking at trying to speed that up? Um, you know, a lot of people may look at taking on financing. Uh, are there any kind of uh, key mistakes people will make in that phase that can kill the business? Yeah, they'll panic into taking a loan that doesn't make sense. Loans can be fantastic, and I talk about it in the book. Um, a strategic loan can be a really smart thing to do. If you can get a loan at an interest rate which is actually outweighed by the return that you're making on the inventory that you're buying, then that's a sound business decision. But if you're panicking into taking uh, taking on a loan uh, at an interest rate that simply doesn't add up for you, then you're only compounding the effect. You're you're just you're kicking the can down the road, and actually by the time you get you get there, the can's you know even bigger, right? It's a, it's, it's become a bigger problem. Instead, if you plan this out from the start, it comes back to product validation. If you haven't chosen a product that you know can have a return on investment of at least 70%, ideally more than 100%, then you're not going to run into cash flow problems. It's okay if for the first few orders, it, the ROI is actually not quite where you want it to be, but it's going to get there with economies of scale and you know and you're happy to throw the capital at it to get through those first few orders. And so instead, what I'd recommend people do is uh, plan from the start, work on a product that, that, that you know is going to have that, that ROI, and then work with your manufacturing partners to make it make sense for all parties from a point of view of um, payment terms, for instance, to work on efficient inventory management so that you don't have tons of cash um, that is not liquid, that's stuck, in, tied up in this inventory, but instead you have enough cash on hand to be able to keep a constant flow of products going in and products going out. I think it's a what you mentioned there is something that people don't think about when starting out often enough is the long term optimization of your return on investment. Uh, you know, when you start selling a product that's got no social proof, no organic visibility, you're going to have to price it lower. But the longer you sell it for, the more reviews you get, the better positioning you get, the better you split test your listing, improve your conversion rate, a million other things, you can gradually improve the selling price, improve your return on investment. But it's what I talk to people all the time about is being willing to uh, sacrifice a little up front to get that initial momentum to get to that point. Whereas I think a lot of people are so worried about being profitable from the first sale because they're led to believe that Amazon is this miracle working money machine. And actually, it's just any like any other business. There's marketing costs up front. There's a trajectory towards that return on investment. And I, I think those things you talk about in the book are so key for people to learn. And again, I wish someone had taught me those business fundamentals um, rather than watching. Uh, the thing is that I, I didn't know it either, right? And I, I learned it as I went. And people should definitely not give themselves a hard time for not knowing this stuff. Because, well, why would you? Right. And also, part of the reason is that the gurus don't teach this for two reasons. A, uh, they, they forget on purpose to teach this because it flies in the face of what they're trying to do, which is tell people it's easy and therefore invest in my 10 grand course. And B, they don't forget. They don't know because they're fakes and they don't understand how this works because they've never done it. Or they tried and failed and never learned this lesson. 
absolutely people shouldn't um, expect to know everything, but they do have such great opportunity uh, with the book. I have to say that because you come on the show, but I genuinely mean it. It's uh, it's really great, uh, great investment into the e-commerce space, um, and I uh, yeah I think is a great book that you've written a great resource for people um is there anything else that you want to mention about the book uh and obviously where people can grab a hold of it sure yeah um yeah i'm very proud of it um of course i would say that <laughs> but uh, yeah i've i've put you know the guts of 18 months uh, of work into this um i believe it's going to be a valuable resource it's something that you you can read cover to cover if you want but you can also dip in and out of i think the way I'd probably recommend people to read it is probably read it cover to cover the first time and then dip in and out of chapters that they need every now and again. And you know, my hope is that this will become a, a, everybody's copy of this. If they buy a paper uh, version, um, it will become, uh, it'll be completely trashed, right? It'll be very worn out uh, because my hope is that this will, this will sit on their desk and they'll come back to it regularly, uh, whether they're dealing with, you know, inventory management or, you know, um, email marketing, whatever it might be. Um, Yes, it's available from, well, we were just having a conversation before we started recording there. Folks, the, uh, the e-commerce journey is a bit of a roller coaster, and uh, I believe that the publication date will indeed be October 10th, which, as we're recording this, is tomorrow. So go and have a search on Amazon for Quit Stalling and Build Your Brand. And then uh, if you head to quitstallingbook.com slash BBU, as in Brand Builder University, there are some bonuses for you. Come on, we love a good bonus. Uh, I thought you were going to say uh, in all major bookstores near you, but that will come. Oh, that will come soon. <laughs> Technically, you can you can order it. So you can go into Waterstones. It's got an ISBN number. They can look it up and order it in for you. But um, unless something miraculous happens, I don't think it'll be. I don't think you'll be walking past the Waterstones in your local shopping centre and, and seeing it there. Or if you're in the US, Barnes and Noble, you can get it there. Very cool. Well, I would like to encourage our community to pay a little review karma forward for anybody that sells on Amazon or e-commerce sites. You know how important reviews are, so make sure you do pick up a uh, copy of the book and leave a glowing review for Ben's book because I know that will definitely help uh, push you up the ranking and get more visibility. This is a book that needs to be in the hands of the e-commerce community. There's too much fluff out there, and this is yeah something of real substance. So, Ben, honestly, I know from you know doing some uh, much smaller level, lower level writing myself that it's hard work to take concepts in your brain and put them on paper in a logical, condensed, and concise format. Um, you've done it exceptionally well in this book but we yeah thank you for your hard work in doing that because it, it certainly won't have come easy um thank you for the investment of the time and uh, and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing all of the feedback from the community and seeing what people say about the book i'm convinced they're going to love it because it's a great book um so yeah thank you for doing it and thanks again for taking time out to come on the show again we, we appreciate your investment into our podcast into our community and yeah the community at large Thanks for having me. Really appreciate your support. Good stuff, folks. Well, you heard it there. Quitstallingbook.com. That's right, isn't it, Ben? Quitstallingbook.com. That's the one. Slash yeah, BBU. Quitstallingbook.com. Slash BBU. Slash BBU. Brilliant bonuses. Yep. Um, we'll get that, that yep. link in the description and show notes. Uh, check it out on, on Amazon as well. Make sure you leave a review. And, um, yeah, get into this stuff because it really will help your entrepreneurial journey, not just at the beginning stages, right the way through uh, as you go to exit uh, and then sell your business with Ben's brokerage for a massive payday which would be amazing yeah do that <laughs> econbrokers.co.uk um, little plug there good stuff alright guys well thanks for listening I hope you got a lot out of the show and uh, if you have liked the show like the episode please give it a like and subscribe and we'll see you in the next episode same time next week take care